Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Jason Bradbury. Welcome to the ninth AV Forums podcast. In this episode, we bring you the latest home cinema, DVD and gaming news. Reviews of The Hills Have Eyes Unrated on DVD, The Chronicles of Riddick on HD DVD, and Hitman Blood Money for the Xbox 360. Plus, Steve May brings us news from Yamaha. But first... This week's... This week's... Audio-Visual News... In this episode, some early opinions of Blu-ray. Italy's score with a hat-trick of new projectors from Sim 2. And will BT's home hub cause a hubbub? We kick off this time with news of mixed fortunes for the Blu-ray high-definition DVD format. On the upside, Samsung have finally managed to launch a commercial Blu-ray player. The BD P1000 hit US stores on June the 25th, with a retail price of around $1,000, and boasting such features as 1080p output via HDMI, and a 10-in-2 multi-memory card reader for direct playback of digital photos. Not surprisingly, the first Blu-ray DVD player was joined by the first batch of Blu-ray titles. June 20th saw the release of six Blu-ray titles from inevitably Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, 51st Dates, Underworld Evolution, The Fifth Element, House of Flying Daggers, Triple X and Hitch. Lionsgate then rallied to the Blu-ray cause a week later when it launched a further five titles, T2, Crash, Lord of War, The Punisher and Saw. So what's the bad news? Well, many of the first people to experience Blu-ray seem rather nonplussed by it. The Samsung player doesn't get too much stick, apparently looking better and working faster than Toshiba's debut HD DVD players. But many people are reporting that the first discs are hugely variable in quality, with some of Sony's first releases in particular failing to impress. This is despite Sony deciding to master its initial discs in the MPEG-2 format rather than the more efficient MPEG-4 used by HD DVD, on the grounds that MPEG-2 apparently offers better picture quality. Here's hoping this situation just turns out to be a mirror of the launch of DVD, which also witnessed some seriously shoddy picture quality on some of the first discs. The other big blow for Blu-ray sees Sony delaying its own debut Blu-ray player yet again. The launch date for the Sony BDPS1, a bit of a mouthful, but I got there eventually, has now gone back from an already late August the 15th to a mooted date of October 25th. Ooh. It seems extraordinary that Blu-ray's main backer should be keeping the market waiting so long, especially now Samsung has shown that the technology is ready to roll. We can only hope that the delays are due to Sony wanting to get its first player absolutely perfect before it hits the streets. Our second big story today concerns the launch by respected Italian brand Sim 2 of no less than three new, exquisitely designed, HD-ready DLP projectors. Leaving the hot trio out is the Grand Cinema HT305E. This model supposedly improves on its HT300E predecessor with a patented new AlphaPath light engine, incorporating superior glass optics and processing electronics. The image should also be brighter thanks to the use of a more powerful 150 watt lamp. 
Perhaps the best news of all, though, is the fact that at £5,000, the glossy new gunmetal grey HT305E is a whole grand cheaper than the less well-specified model it replaces. If £5,000 is still a bit steep for you, though, SIM2 has the new £3,000 Domino D35. This employs a stripped-down version of the 305E's AlphaPath light engine, a native resolution of 1280 by 720 pixels, a claimed contrast ratio of 3200 to 1, and comes in either black shadow or white evolution finishes. Finally, we get to the Money's No Object Grand Cinema HT3000. Word on this projector has been circulating for a while now, on account of its native 1920x1080 resolution and compatibility with the 1080p HD format. Now it's finally ready for launch, emerging along with its cheaper new sibling in July for an estimated price of £12,000. Now, many industry insiders think that the future for TV lies not with satellite, terrestrial or cable systems, but rather with the internet. And this vision of the future has taken a big step towards becoming a reality with the launch of BT's new Total Broadband system. Total Broadband is powered by a new device dubbed BT Home Hub that supports all BT services, including Total Broadband and Broadband Talk, and can connect wirelessly to your PC and other broadband devices. Two BT Home Hub packages are available, starting at £22.99 a month for a 6GB usage limit and going up to £26.99 a month for the top tier 40GB package. What's particularly interesting to AV forum users though is the BT Vision element of the new package. Due to launch in the autumn, BT Vision will, via the Home Hub and a Philips set-top box, let you download a combination of digital terrestrial TV and broadband-powered on-demand film, TV and music programming as well as some vague-sounding, exclusive, interactive services. It would be nice if the imminent arrival of a whole new TV platform might force Sky to reduce its subscription prices. But here at AV Forums, we won't be holding our breath. The biggest news and DVD reviews every week. You're listening to the AV Forums podcast. DVD News. In Region 1 DVD news, Criterion has announced the long-overdue re-release of Terry Gilliam's Brazil on the 5th of September. For the first time, the film will have, at last, an anamorphic transfer, which has been newly remastered from a high-definition source and will also feature Dolby Stereo Sound. The film will be available on single and triple disc editions, with the multi-disc edition holding some in-depth special features. And also due from the studio on the same date is a brand new release of The Seven Samurai, with a newly restored image and sound. The three-disc set will also host some amazing special features, and for more in-depth details, head over to the news section at avplay.com. Further to the news story on our last podcast... Sony Pictures Home Entertainment has cancelled their release of Dances with Wolves Extended Cut. No reason has been given for the cancellation, but if the title returns to their release schedule, we'll let you know. Walt Disney Home Entertainment will release an all-new two-disc special edition of The Little Mermaid on 10th of October. Details about the extras are yet to be confirmed. In Region 2 DVD news, we have more confirmed TV box sets announced for release in the coming months. Contender Home Entertainment will release the final season of the popular TV show Will and Grace on Region 2 DVD on the 7th of August. 
and Ventura International will release the best of John Belushi's TV appearances on Region 2 DVD on the 4th of September. Extras are likely to include Belushi's original Saturday Night Live screen test, his TV interview and a photo gallery. Anchor Bay UK will release a 25th anniversary edition of Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits on the 17th of August. Expected to be identical to the US Special Edition released last year, the set will have an anamorphic transfer, Dolby Digital 5.1 sound and a host of extras. And finally, Warner Brothers has announced the release of Alien Autopsy on Region 2 DVD from the 3rd of July. The film starring those lovable Geordies, Anton Deck, will feature anamorphic video, Dolby 5.1 sound and a host of Anton Deck-laden special features. Oh, we can't wait. The AV Forums Podcast, Gaming News. Fans of Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon on the Xbox 360 should head over to the marketplace as Ubisoft have released the Chapter 2 expansion pack. The downside is it will cost you 1,200 points, but for your points you'll get all kinds of fantastic additions, including a continuation of the multiplayer co-op campaign with four all-new missions in Chapter 2. Bethesda Softworks today announced that award-winning actor Johnny Depp will lend his voice as Captain Jack Sparrow in the upcoming video game of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Legend of Jack Sparrow. Slated for a June 27th release for the PlayStation 2 and PC, this latest Pirates of the Caribbean title features a blend of fast-paced action and adventure. The game's producers are delighted to have Johnny Depp on board, and in the words of Todd Vaughan, the game's executive producer, We couldn't imagine a better way to capture the spirit of the character than to have Depp lend his voice to Captain Jack Sparrow. It truly adds to an already rich gameplay experience. Whether you're jumping to light speed from inside the Millennium Falcon or braving the blizzards of Hoth on the back of a Tauntaun, there's nothing quite like the assortment of starships and creatures found throughout the Star Wars galaxy. And from September the 12th, LEGO Star Wars 2, the original trilogy, will give you the chance to ride just about anything you saw in Episodes 4, 5 and 6 as you build and battle your way through a tongue-in-cheek Star Wars experience. Coming out on PlayStation 2, PSP, Xbox, Xbox 360, Nintendo GameCube and PC, LEGO Star Wars 2 allows you to actually play with creatures from all over the galaxy such as Tom-Toms on Hoth and Banthas on Tatooine and take part in key battles such as the Death Star Trench Run and the Battle of Hoth, which include vehicle-only gameplay. Finally, last Friday saw the release of the Nintendo DS Lite, and from all accounts, it seems to be a winner for Nintendo, with my local store sold out of the Black Edition by the end of the day. If nothing else, it shows that Nintendo as a brand is still very popular, and shows great promise for when the Wii console arrives later this year. You're listening to the AV Forums Podcast. Do you want to leave comments about the AV Forums Podcast? Is this a trick question? Are you sick of typing away in the feedback forum? Hey, I've had it up to here with this place. Well, why not use the new AV Forums Interactive Answer Service to leave your comments and suggestions? Impressive. Just dial the number 0208-123-9587. Listen to me very carefully. Listen to the instructions and then wait for the beep. Now just tell...
tell us your name and leave your comments. It's easy. I don't know. If you made a mistake, don't worry. We say what you got wrong and we'll fix it later on. Then, just hang up. Please, continue. So what are you waiting for? Dial the number 0208 123 9587 and leave your feedback, suggestions, comments and questions. It's so beautiful. The AV Forum's interactive podcast feature. Why not use it now? This week's DVD Reviews. Imagine the first people that crossed this desert, they didn't know where they were. Yeah, I can because neither do we. Hey, get up. Tell me again why we couldn't fly like normal people. Don't see too many travelers around here. Where are y'all headed? San Diego. Yeah, the shape trip. Most people tend to react in abject horror at the mention of a remake these days, and really, who could blame them? The Hills of Eyes is the latest classic American horror film to receive the reimagined treatment, and the basic story premise stays exactly the same as Wes Craven's original 1977 classic. A family taking a bonding trip through the desert towards California come into contact with mutant killers living in the caves, descendants of those living during nuclear testing in the 1950s. Now this family have to become vicious killers themselves to escape. The image holds up well, even though most of it is filmed through sun-drenched desert landscapes, but it also copes with inky blacks during the night and cave scenes. Details are good, with no signs of any digital compression. Hills makes excellent use of the Dolby 5.1 soundtrack, creating an immersive and believable world. Sound effects hit home with blood-splattering realism, and dialogue is always natural and easy to follow, given the mayhem all around. Extras include commentary tracks, featurettes, production diaries and a music video, and are entertaining enough. So this remake almost manages to pull it off. The disc presentation is good to excellent, and the extras wrap up the set nicely. The movie scores 6 out of 10. This week's DVD Reviews They are a plague that now sweeps through the worlds of man, leaving behind a trail of dead planets and towering icons, monuments to their unholy crusade. All those poets on all those worlds who spoke of war as such an unsightly thing, they never stood here. Are you going to stop the monsters now? I am the monster. The Chronicles of Riddick is the sequel to the cult movie Pitch Black and sees Vin Diesel step back into Riddick's boots. For those who don't know the movie, and there can't be many, Riddick is a killer, an anti-hero, and he's been asked to help a planet from the forces of the Necromongers, an evil race of individuals who want to either convert other life forms to their way or kill them in the process. With a relatively stellar cast comprising of Diesel, Judy Dench, Thandie Newton and Carl Urban, this could have been as good a movie as Pitch Black. But it isn't. On the positive side, the director's cut works far better than the cinematic version, as it fills in some of the blanks that made viewers scratch their heads. But it's also not as good as it thinks it is, 
as it wants to be an epic but falls flat due to slightly convoluted story and poor execution. Not only that, but Riddick is not the same person he was in Pitch Black. He's far too humanised in comparison. However, as average as the movie is, the HD DVD version is very good and certainly looks a lot crisper and more detailed compared to an upscaled normal DVD version. There are one or two artefacts that showed up, but other than that, this is a nice clean crisp transfer with particularly bold colours and black levels. Audio-wise, you get the choice of Dolby Digital Plus soundtrack or a DTS version, which is a first for HD DVD. Out of the two, I'd probably edge the DTS as preferable, as it is slightly less compressed sounding and gives a better ambience. But both soundtracks are aggressive with some very heavy bass levels. It is definitely a good, solid choice for an HD DVD demo disc. If you're a fan of the movie, this is worth picking up for the superior picture and the solid soundtrack. The movie scores 5 out of 10, but the disc scores a massive 8 out of 10. You're not afraid of the dark, are you? IO Interactive's Hitman series of games have been a firm favourite with fans, but have had mixed reviews from the critics. The series' debut on the original Xbox, Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, is arguably one of the best games in the series. After the commercially successful but ultimately unsatisfying Hitman contracts, it looked like the series might have gone stagnant, with IO going for the easy option of a little more of the same. With this in mind, IO Interactive have come up with their fourth game in the series, Hitman Blood Money. But is it more of the same or a whole new experience? Well, it's actually somewhere in between. In Hitman Blood Money, you are, once again, Mr. 47, a Class 1 human clone developed in a secret lab who has become the best contract killer on the planet, working for a mysterious group known as The Agency. The greatest difference between Blood Money and the previous game is that this one actually has a plot. Though, much like in Hitman 2, where the plot merely serves as a way of linking Mr 47's disparate missions into one coherent whole, the plot in Blood Money is actually fairly decent, if a little predictable. The gameplay feels very much like its predecessors. The controls are identical, so fans won't have much trouble getting back in the seat. This time around, newcomers are also warmly welcomed to the Hitman series in the form of a training level. This acts as a real mission where you have to kill the owner of a previously successful but now defunct amusement park. If you've got Xbox Live, by the way, this level is also available as a downloadable demo from the marketplace. New to the Hitman series are the notoriety and evidence systems. If your playing style is gung-ho, you'll become notorious as witnesses talk and splash your picture and description all over the newspapers. The newspapers will pop up in later levels, increasing the chance of you getting recognised and, in theory, making the game more difficult for you. The evidence system mainly impacts on the rating you achieve at the end of each level. For the perfect kill, you'll receive a silent assassin rating. However, getting caught on CCTV, for example, and not obtaining the videotape, will decrease your rating as police and guards can view the footage as evidence. Between levels, you'll get the chance to buy off witnesses and make evidence disappear at various costs to decrease your notoriety rating. However, if you play the game the way it's meant to be played as a silent assassin, then there'll be no witnesses and therefore no notoriety, thus rendering the whole system completely pointless, especially if you're a veteran of the series. It's a nice idea, but it doesn't really work. The AI and the NPCs are so-so, 
If you've killed someone and the body is found, the guards will get suspicious for a while and the body will be dragged off in a body bag. But eventually, everyone goes about their business as if nothing happened. Don't let the somewhat limited AI put you off, however. Blood Money really is great fun and there's plenty of replay value as I can guarantee you'll never achieve Silent Assassin rating on all of the game's 12 missions on your first try. In fact, part of the fun in the previous games was going through the missions again and working out how to get that perfect kill. The same applies to Blood Money. And even though trying to achieve Silent Assassin can get a little frustrating at times, the feeling of satisfaction when you do nail it makes it all worthwhile. So Hitman Blood Money is a rewarding and ultimately satisfying game to play and you can look forward to a fantastic finale. The game scores 8 out of 10. Read the full review at avplay.com. The latest news, the biggest features, and the best DVD reviews. This is the AV Forums Podcast. And now Home Cinema Choice Editor Steve May reports from Yamaha UK. The AV Forums Podcast Special Feature. Yamaha may be the UK's best-selling specialist AV brand, but it's best known for its receivers and DVD players rather than its loudspeakers. Although Yamaha has been making loudspeakers for years with varying degrees of success, it's never really been able to compete against the likes of B&W. More recently though, the brand has been taking another look at the whole speaker market. Its innovative YSP digital sound projectors provide a novel solution for those who want surround sound speakers without running wire around the house and now it intends to get back into the real speaker market. Later this year, the brand will introduce a range of high-end speakers under the rather strange-sounding Soavo name. To start with, there will be a stereo pair of big floor standers along with a subwoofer. Sometime after that will be matching centres and rears. Yami has had a good deal of success in the UK with its specially tuned UK amplifiers. These special editions have the sound fine-tuned for UK ears. And now it's taking the same approach with its Soavo speakers. As part of that process, I was invited down to Yamaha's UK base, along with Hi-Fi reviewer Alvin Gold, to listen to the speakers as they are now and offer some comments on their sound quality. I must say I was surprised to get the invite, as I don't consider myself an audiophile, and Alvin, whose name many of you will recognise from his work in various magazines over the years, including Hi-Fi Choice and Home Cinema Choice, is a bit of a legend. Indeed, Alvin's ears are so big and bat-like that while we were together on a recent trip to Japan, he couldn't get a translation earpiece over them. A very nice Japanese lady had to fold his ear into the thing, causing her to comment, what nice big ears you've got. She was very nice herself, and I must say I was a bit jealous, but I digress. During the audition, the Suavo floor standers were partnered with Yamaha's Z9 AV flagship receiver. I must say that as we went through the usual musical selections, these prototype speakers didn't sound good at all. I was pleased to know that Alvin and I were in complete agreement. They were compressed and two-dimensional. Then we decided to swap the Z9 for the brand's DSPAX 757 a UK-tuned amplifier which is about a third of the price of the Z9. The difference was incredible. Suddenly the speakers burst into life. It was as if a door had been opened. Yamaha's prototype speakers were back in business. We all breathed a sigh of relief. 
The Suavos will go on sale later this year and they'll be priced around £1800 each for the floor standers. Not cheap, but I think they'll be well worth a listen if you can find a local Yamaha dealership. The big question in my mind is why did the Z9, a well-regarded AV receiver, sound so bad? It may be two years old, but really, it was quite shocking. My tip though should be to check out the AX757SE as soon as you can. This is a ridiculously good sounding amplifier and it's going for silly money. I've seen it online for less than 400 quid. Without doubt, it's a bit of a bargain. Steve May edits leading UK home cinema magazine, Home Cinema Choice, and contributes to the UK's AV trade and technology weblog, avzombie.com. The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums podcast. The Blu-ray disc format was released on June 25th in the US, but Sony failed to turn up at the party. But in an AV Forums podcast exclusive, I caught up with Sony's Director of Corporate Communications in Europe, Nicholas Babin, and asked some of the burning questions forum members wanted answered. I started by asking Nicholas when Sony will release UK players. So uh, the first question is not going to be like that for the rest of the questions, but here um, I can't actually answer that question at this stage because we're focusing on US launch, which will be at the end of August. And at, as of today, I do not have a date for um, um, for the launch of Blu-ray, uh, Sony Blu-ray players in the UK. The only thing I can say is the first Blu-ray player will be the PlayStation 3, which will be launched November 17th. But it's also a gaming machine and everything. So that will be, for us in Europe, the first uh, real Blu-ray player. Do you see um, the PS3 being uh, a platform for Blu-ray movies? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that will be... It will be a, a, a platform for many things. First platform for people to understand what high definition is all about because they'll be able to play games in high definition. They'll be able, able to enjoy movies in high definition. And because we're going to have a great momentum uh, with PlayStation 3, we really see PlayStation 3 as, as really the, uh, the, 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 yeah, the platform that will kick off uh, Blu-ray for us because the first year we're planning to sell over six million uh, PlayStation 3, uh, so immediately you will have six million potential Blu-ray players on the market. So yes, it will definitely be a big deal for us. Sony announced at E3 that the pricing for the American system is the UK system likely to be the same uh, same pricing. Well, we have a European pricing in euros, which is 4.99 euros for the uh, 20 gigabyte and 599 euros for the 60 gigabyte machine so it's yeah it's, it's it's the same thing dollars into euros yes and will the lower spec ps3 be able to play high definition movies through component because it doesn't have hdmi the 20 gigabyte uh, doesn't have hdmi but will still be able to play uh movies with uh, with the other features uh the 60 gigabyte will have hdmi 1.3 which then in that case there's absolutely no issue yes Excellent. So I'll move back to the standalone players. And yes. um, where, will, where will those players be available? So, um, again, you know, we haven't planned the launch date, but we uh, will be selling the, these uh, players exactly like all the other Sony products in the retail uh, shops uh, in the UK. Will all players output 1080p and use HDMI uh, 1.3? At the minimum, yes, absolutely. I mean, yes, absolutely. That's that's the the minimum specs for for high definition. So yes. 
There has been some delay with the US launch of your um, Blu-ray players. Can you give us uh, some details as to why it's it's been moved two or three times now? Um, um, frankly, I don't know. Um, I, I think the uh, the uh, um, the reason why was because we wanted to make sure at least you know we had the, the product completely ready for the market, and but we've delayed it by like less than a month. So it's it's, it's not really like a, a major delay. At least wanted to make sure we were completely ready for the product. When will Blu-ray, ROM, and R drives be available um, with software to play the movies? Uh, well, software to play the movies are now available. Sony Pictures have launched 50 titles in the US uh, now for the launch uh, of the Samsung player. Um, and in Europe, they've announced that they will also do 50 titles in September. So, uh, so at least the, the titles uh, will be then. Uh, for the uh, ROM and R drive, uh, again for for Europe, I don't have a date for that. Um, the only thing that we will have is, uh, which will be launched next week, is the uh, the new VAIO, which is our our laptop computer with uh, what we call the AR series with Blu-ray drives. So these will be able to play Blu-ray movies on the VAIO on the computer. Will all players play Blu-ray dual layer 50 gigabyte discs? Oh, absolutely, and even more. Um, I mean, basically, it, it's a du- dual layer, but we already are planning to launch 100 gigabytes, which is four layers for Christmas. And in our labs, we have up to eight layers at 200 gigabytes. That's the beauty of the Blu-ray, because of the structure of the disc, a 0.1 millimeter structure of the laser, we're able to put a lot of information. As I say, in laboratories, we have up to eight layers. And this is the biggest difference with HD-DVD because HD-DVD can only do two layers. They have not been able to do more than two. Um, and so for them, it's 30 gigabytes because one layer for them is 15 gigabytes, whereas for us, one layer is 25 gigabytes. So this is really the biggest advantage. So all the players will be able to play the two layers, the three layers, the four layers, you know, as, as many as eight layers. So absolutely no, no doubt in that, on this answer. So is that extra storage going to be used for data or will movies take advantage of that? Yes, movies will take advantage of that because they will have more features. Um, So you will see a lot more um, on the discs that you can see today with DVDs because DVD is only 4.9 gigabytes. So when you have a 50 gigabyte disc, you can see the movies, you can see games, you can see features, interactive features going with the movies. So yes, definitely, yes. And do you know if the players that will be available in the UK will differ in any way from the US machines? Yes, they will, because US machines are NTSC formats and UK will be PAL. So at least that will be the major change compared to the US machine. And of course, the uh, the voltage. And is region coding going to be mandatory? I mean, will I be yes. able to buy um, something from the US and play it on my UK machine? No, no. And the, the main reason why is because all the studios are, are going for Blu-ray, except one, um, we have four out of five main studios uh, going for Blu-ray, and we had to guarantee them some uh, structure and some copyrighted, um, and therefore one of their requirements was the fact that we had to have region coding, and that's why we, we, uh, we decided to go for region coding. Are there likely to be um, different releases between the U.S. and the U.K. because of distribution rights? Well, not not really because of distribution rights, but because of, as I say again, NTSC versus PAL and and uh, uh, voltage issues. So yes, there will be different products between the US and Europe. Yes. 
with um, Blu-ray discs being 1080p, are there going to be issues between PAL and NTSC? Because basically it's um, it's a set format, isn't it, for high definition, 1080p? No. So there won't be any issues. It's just basically a change within the machine. But there won't be any issues, no. What kind of marketing are you planning? Well, be the same as all, with all the other products. Of course, for us, high definition is, is a key product and is a key strategy uh, for some Europe. So again, because we had, don't have a plan to launch in Europe yet, uh, it's hard for me to answer, but you can expect to have uh, exactly the same thing as what you can see today with the Bravia TV ads and things like that. And do you think the general public will understand the benefits of Blu-ray and high definition enough to upgrade from standard definition? Yes, absolutely. The main reason for that is uh, thanks to the World Cup today, we can see that already a lot of people are upgrading their current TVs to HD-ready TV. Uh, in the UK, thanks to Sky. In France, thanks to uh, TPS. In Germany, in Benelux, customers are now starting to get broadcast in high definition using HD-ready TV. Um, so people are, are getting more and more used to the uh, high definition. So by buying a HD-ready TV and using a standard DVD player, people are going to get frustrated because you will really see that you can upgrade and you can do much more. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very convinced that people will actually go for Blu-ray just because they've already changed their, their, their TVs, yes. Do you feel that the higher price of Blu-ray players will put the, uh, the format at a disadvantage against HD DVD? And it's definitely not, not an advantage, obviously, uh, but when, somebody, when a customer will go to any shops uh, on the high street and then will see that um, you have you know, one HD DVD player and 20 Blu-ray players, because the Blu-ray Disc Association is over 170 companies and about you know, all the major consumer electronics companies uh, like Samsung, like Philips, like LG, like Sony, like Panasonic, all of them are, are, are working solely for Blu-ray, whereas you only have, um, uh, on the other camp, is Toshiba and Sanyo and NEC. So I think people will see that, yes, okay, you have a product, $499, which is the HD-DVD product, and you have another product, uh, which, again, because of, uh, we have a launch, I don't know, but it will be more expensive than that for sure. Uh, but when you see that all the movie titles are for Blu-ray and that all the players are for Blu-ray, I know I, I would go for the more choice that I have in the shop. So I agree it's not a big advantage to be a more expensive, but I think the long run we'll see the price coming down. And I think people will, because of PlayStation 3 and because of all the other products, would have uh, agreed to go for Blu-ray. So uh, I agree with you at the beginning. It's, it's not a big advantage. It's, it's, it's kind of a disadvantage, but I think long run people will understand so if Toshiba can um, produce an HD DVD player for $499, why is Blu-ray so expensive? Well, I mean, I can't comment on how Toshiba can do it at that price, but uh, what I hear from the market is that Toshiba decided to sell it at lower than cost. You know, so that's their strategy. They want to win that battle. Uh, fine, you know, they can more easily do these kind of things because they are alone. As I say, again, we're 170 companies, so... We have to uh, to make sure that you know, all the companies agree with the decision, and we believe that people will understand that with the quality of Blu-ray over HD DVD, that there's a price difference. What benefits do you see in Blu-ray over HD DVD for computer, PC, Mac users? 
especially considering the um, the possible issues with copy protection on both formats? Well, to me, the, if you just focus on the PC uh, owners, the biggest benefit and PC owners will immediately benefit from is space. And when you have a disk that you can record on up to 200 gigabytes versus a disk where you can record up to 30 gigabytes, I mean, it's a no-brainer. When you, know, when you have a PC, what you need is space. So to me, either you have a Mac or a PC because Apple is also supporting solely uh, Blu-ray um, so that, to me, is the biggest, biggest benefit uh, going Blu-ray for for the uh, the PC owners. Are Sony ever likely to produce a combined uh, Blu-ray and HD DVD player? I don't think so. We tried. We really did try. Um, the two technologies are so different in terms of structural of the disc. The structure is so different with HD DVD using a different, um, uh, for Blu-ray 0.1 millimeter, for HD DVD, it's over 0.5 millimeter. It's too different. So at least, really, I don't see Sony doing that, no. So we're not likely to see um, universal players such as the SACD and DVD audio uh, players which are available? Probably not. At least not from Sony. Here I'm talking on behalf of Sony. I don't know what you know our partners in the Blu-ray Disc Association will do, but as far as Sony is concerned, probably not. Do you think the availability and competition between Blu-ray and HD DVD will confuse people? Um, I agree that the ideal situation would have been to have one format, and we did try really hard on that. Um, I think people will understand that high definition is coming. I think, unfortunately, people are used to uh, these things in terms of the market before you had Betamax versus VHS. Uh, DVD was great because we were able to have one standard, uh, but when you can see with the music and, you know, um, the iPod using AAC um, and uh, others using MP3 and everything, so I think people are starting to get used to it. So I agree that the best situation would have been to have one standard, but unfortunately uh, we couldn't do that. So, you know, we'll, as the market and the public will decide, basically. Toshiba and their developers have been quite clever um, with naming their product HD DVD because it's obviously a name that people are familiar with, the DVD part anyway. How are you going to um, bring the public round to um, something which is going to be completely brand new to them um, with the name Blu-ray? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely correct. HD DVD was a very smart, uh, very smart move. Blu-ray, the reason why we use Blu-ray is because we were the first one to use a Blu-ray laser uh, and that's why, but I think, you know, more and more, again, you know, it's, the shop will make the difference. Um, and so when people enter a shop and they see all, all the high-definition products, uh, they will see that with Blu-ray they have many, many more options um, rather than going for an HD DVD where they have one player, basically. Obviously, the Samsung player is available in the U.S. at the moment, and various websites and, and uh, various users have been reporting back on, on what they've found with the format so far. And a lot of the comments are not promising. Um, is there anything that you can maybe shed light on which would uh, maybe explain why people are, are not getting the wow factor at the moment from Blu-ray? Um, I, I Frankly, I mean, I can't comment on, on Samsung products, obviously, um, you know, I, what, what I understand is, number one, is that the, the movies have just been released last Monday. So um, there was a lack already of, uh, of software for people. And then number two, you know, you can buy a Blu-ray player and play it on your old uh, CRT TV. 
um, and then guarantee you, you won't see the difference. So yes, you know, you buy a Samsung player for X amount of money, and then you take it home and you realize that on your old TV or even uh, HD Ready 720 TV, it, it, it's not fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you need, you really need to have a high definition TV that is of quality that has 1080p as a, you know we 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 try to communicate with the public. So I, I can't tell you why people have not um, have perceived it that way, but. Um, you know, let's, it, it's just very recent, so let's give it a bit of time. We're going to have an HD DVD versus Blu-ray war. Um, that's inevitable. It, it's going, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. What does Blu-ray have in its camp, which is going to win the war for you? Well, that's that's very easy. Um, Blu-ray has the momentum of having over 170 companies that have agreed to use the Blu-ray format. So either you want to buy a PC, um, and then you will go for a Dell or an Apple or a Sony or a Panasonic product, they will be Blu-ray. If you want to buy a consumer electronics product, again, you know there will be I don't know how many versus one for HD DVD. Um, if you want to watch movies, there will be four studios of the main studios out of five uh, issuing movies in in uh, in, uh, in Blu-ray. So, you know, as a consumer, and then, of course, if you want to have more space, you know, would you really limit yourself to a disc um, that can take um, Blu-ray and DVD, like, uh, sorry, HD DVD and DVD, like Blu-ray can as well, but on the HD format, the uh, DVD, on the HD DVD format, the DVD will actually be on the other side because it's, there's not enough space on, on, the, on, the, um, on the one side. So you basically will have to get up you know, turn over your your disc and put it back in the machine if you want to watch a DVD. Whereas with the Blu-ray product, you have everything on one side because there's so much space. You know, so I think people will arrive, will see first more availability in the shops. Um, they'll see more space and they'll see easier to use products. So I think that's why they'll go for for Blu-ray, and that's why over 170 companies have signed with the Blu-ray Disc Association. I'm sorry for bringing this question up, but it is a burning mm-hmm. question from our, our members of the AV forums. Yeah, yeah. And it's been mentioned many times whilst discussing um, Blu-ray products. And that's the fact that Sony haven't really had much success with propriety formats, have they? Because you, uh, we just think back to Betamax in the early yeah, 80s. Yeah. And um, obviously Minidisc, which didn't really take mm-hmm. off in SACD. Why is Blu-ray going to be any different? Okay, so for, you're absolutely right. In the past, Betamax was, didn't work out because Sony went there on its own with its own proprietary format. Here, with Blu-ray, we're not talking about proprietary format anymore. It's a format that's been adopted by 170 companies. It's not even a format driven by Sony anymore. It's a format driven by the whole Blu-ray Disc Association, the BDA. So this time, we learned our mistake from the uh, Betamax issue and we have gone with many, many partners, actually. actually we have over 90% of the consumer electronics companies with us. We have over 90% of the studios with us. We have over 80% of the computer companies with us. So we, it can't be called a proprietary format just because we've learned it. Actually, HDDVD is a proprietary format when you look at the Blu-ray versus HDDVD battle. 
cost usually helps um, when launching a new format, and obviously we've gone over the, the fact that Sony products and Blu-ray products um, will be slightly more expensive than HD DVD. Mm-hmm. How quickly do you see prices coming down on hardware and software? Very quickly, to be honest with you, because uh, we are going to have the momentum with thanks to PlayStation 3. So, you know, that, that's all it matters with consumer electronic companies. The more you sell, the, the quicker the, the, the price is going down. So, you know, 6 million discs will be available uh, by next March, thanks to PlayStation 3. So, to me, the price will go down afterwards. So, it's, it's, it's not a long-term issue here. There's lots of companies um, setting up with HD broadcasting at the moment and obviously showing movies in HD, such as Sky in the UK. And there's also companies um, and some of the major film companies um, promoting downloading on the internet. Do you see that as a threat to the Blu-ray market? I don't see that as a threat for the next 10 years, to be honest with you, for the simple reason that uh, people have not yet... um, taken the, the, um, the large bandwidth on their computers. So internet, yes, has taken off and everything, but people yet need to upgrade the systems at home. And when you have a movie, you know, or, or with features over 40 gigabytes or 50 gigabytes like a Blu-ray disc can give, today people don't have enough bandwidth to allow that. Um, so I, I think, you know, DVD was around for over 10 years. I think Blu-ray has, has, has a good chance of being around for 10, 15 years before downloads will take up. But, you know, yeah, it's definitely something we need to watch. Nicholas, thank you very much for joining us on the AV Forums podcast. It's been enlightening and we look forward to sampling Blu-ray when it's available in the UK. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you very much. Contact the AV Forums podcast. Email podcast at avforums.com. If you'd like to leave some feedback about this podcast or just add your comments, then please visit our feedback forum at www.avforums.com or take advantage of our new interactive feedback feature. Just call 0208 123 9587 and leave your comments on the answer machine. Who knows, you might end up hearing your voice in our next podcast. That wraps up the ninth AV Forums podcast. This is Jason Bradbury saying thanks for listening, stay subscribed and tell your friends. The AV Forums podcast was presented by Jason Bradbury and written by John Archer. The DVD News and Reviews Roundup was written and presented by Phil Hinton with gaming news written by Damon Dove. Original music by Andrew Bassett. The podcast was produced and mixed by Phil Hinton and the executive producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited.